everybody, and welcome back to Get to the Point here at the wonderful recording studio in Ranger Hall on the Kingston campus of the University of Rhode Island. I am Joe DeLeon, as always, joined by the culinary expert, Sean Anderson. Mmm, yellow Joe. Welcome to be... I'm so happy to be we're, back. Yeah, we're finally back. H- how was it driving all the way up here? Uh, it was record time. I, it was fantastic. Sean, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I had, I haven't heard this part of the song. I haven't heard it either. You've I did let, not know that's how it went. You've let it run uh, <laughs> to about only 40 seconds every time. I kind of like it. It's not bad. It's yeah. just very different than when it's, I thought it yeah. would continue on wow. to be. I mean, you learn, wow. You learn something every day. You, you've had that song. We've had that song for... A year. A year. Actually, probably not. It's been like six months. We've never had it go past 40 seconds. No. It was always like that 20-second range, but you you, you start to have a different standard for audio editing the more and more you do this. Wow. It's a learning experience. I mean, we're audio editing, editing professionals now. I, I don't know about you. No, I, I don't know. Yeah, well, you got your cert. I didn't like get my cert. No, it's a pre-certification. <laughs> We're still not certified. Oh my god, I couldn't even get the pre-cert. Yeah, that's oh. like the that's like the sticker that says like you can try. Oh my god, but you didn't you didn't even get that. It was only a pre-cert. It was a pre-cert. You didn't know that was the, that wasn't the certification. I thought it was the that's, cert. That's why there's a second course. I know to there's it. a second course, but yeah. how am I? Oh my god. Well, there's a lot of football for us to talk about, Sean. Just, there are four <laughs> big games. That happened in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, and well, none of them were really that exciting except for the stinkers. last. They, they were pre- they were pretty snooze, snoozy I mean, games. Yeah. They were pretty slow. I wanted to fall asleep through most of them. It was easy to get very distracted while watching some of these games. Except you could make the argument for the Eagles Saints game because the Saints crawled back, ended up winning a close one. The Rams Cowboys, you know. Whenever the Rams are wearing those unis, you know, I, I, I can stay glued to the TV. They're just phenomenal. Well, that game did end up being a decent one as well. Yeah. yeah. It just so happened that the Cowboys were always playing from behind pretty much the whole entire game. But the first snoozer we had, gosh, and this one was just, oh, God, the whole AFC in their playoff situation was just terrible. Watching the Chiefs completely take apart that Colts defense, winning 31 to 13 and frankly that Chiefs defense really came to play in that game and that's really why Andrew Luck couldn't get going the whole game yeah they were just applying constant pressure uh to Luck they were trying to make every situation as uncomfortable as possible I no one expected the Chiefs defense to be able to hold that offense to only 13 points and I get was it Nick Wright that laid the the heavy on the situation about like the Colts aren't really that hot. These are the defense, uh, the quarterbacks that they've had to go against. Yeah, and like their big uh, win streak. So maybe the curtain was pulled over our eyes a little. I think that's the the wrong phrase. <laughs> what, what what goes what goes over the eyes? Blindfold. I don't know. I don't know that it's phrase. The, it's the old idiom, the old adage. Yeah, I'm not sure what you're oh, talking okay. about here. Well, um, we were blanket. Semi- I, no, <laughs> sheet. <laughs> it might be sheet. I don't know. Look, I'm lost. <laughs> Thank you, Sean Anderson, <laughs> That's for that contribution. Incredible but, uh, analysis. Building off, uh, building off what you were saying, though, the whole game, Andrew Luck was constantly pressured. That whole offense was choked out. There was very little room for anything to operate. Receivers were not able to get open. Marlon Mack did not have any running lanes, which he ran all over the Texans' defense last week. And now, all of a sudden, he's non-existent. 
Andrew Luck has to pretty much do everything on his own, and that results in him holding the ball for four to five seconds, taking a lot of hits, taking a lot of last-second attempts to just kind of chuck the ball away and letting it roll away for an incomplete pass, but really no room to operate for Andrew Luck. Yeah, Chris Jones was suffocating. Suffocating. I, that That's the best word I can use easily for his play that game. D Ford off the edge was spectacular. He was maintaining the edge. He was uh, getting accumulating sacks on Andrew Luck. It just those two players really stood out for me on defense in addition to their defensive backs, which had been getting torched all year. I mean, this defense was porous. And then this – Their secondary they, has always been their weakness. Right. And especially then, after losing Marcus Peters. And Eric Berry wasn't even in. It was a big step-up game. Now, this situation really brings light to what might be the hugest weakness for this Colts team. Their secondary is not great. They could probably use some help, and that was pretty apparent yesterday, or sorry, on Saturday. But their lack of offensive weapons became extremely obvious yesterday. Now, T.Y. Hilton's a good receiver, but as soon as they took him out of the game and they were able to keep him from being a threat, Andrew Luck had no one else to go to. It was a very smart, strategic um, approach to attacking this Colts offense because the minute you take away the speeds during T.Y. Hilton, none of those other guys are really worth much. Dontrell Inman, like, come on. Marlon Mack struggled. He wasn't able to get anything going. But going forward in the offseason, this Colts team is going to be very, very good. They're young, have one of the best young offensive lines in the NFL, if not the best young offensive line. And then... To add on to that, their defense has just grown and progressed. They need a couple key pieces. But if they don't attack the receiver position, they're fine at tight end. But if they don't attack that receiver position, they're going to continue to struggle in big games like this. Are there any receivers that you had your eye on that they would uh, like to pick up? I know there's one that you thought would be a smart acquisition for the Colts. I was I'm a, I'm blanking a little bit. Tavon Austin. Oh, I did say Tavon Austin would be a good move if they can make that trade for Antonio Brown would be big and key. Well, they're already Golden get- Tate is going to be a free <laughs> agent. Alshon Jeffrey, I'm pretty sure, is also going to be a free agent. So there's a decent crop to pick from. What happened to uh, Le'Veon to the Colts? I don't think that's going to happen. Because I think that they like Marlon Mack too much. He has been spectacular. He has last, been spectacular this season. They do need to work on some things with him, especially maybe his efforts in the receiving game. And maybe his vision a little bit as well. But I, don't, I think they'd rather spend the money on a bigger receiver than bringing in Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, that's, that's sensible. Now, an interesting other storyline that came with this game was the fact that Patrick Mahomes did not throw a single touchdown. He ran for one, which was an incredible dive that he had on the pylon. But that, and it's almost the flip of the, the Colts situation in their storyline, is that they have so many weapons they have so much that they can lean on and go to in Tyreek Hill, in Travis Kelsey, in uh, Damian Williams, who is a backup running back. They have all these athletic guys, and they can go to whoever they need. They don't need to lean on one specific guy. They don't need to lean on the arm of Patrick Mahomes if they want to win football games. Yeah, Damian Williams was outstanding this week. I mean, he was carving them. He was carving them. You saw, like, normally – if a, a team wants to shut down the the pass, they have to focus on the run, all that, you know, the old, um, what is it, 
parity in the NFL. But, I mean, the Chiefs have to be stopped in the air. So then it's up to the linebackers of the Colts to try and stop Damian Williams, and he was just taking their ankles, and he was uh, just bulldozing them also near the goal line. I mean, you remember the one play where he got stopped on the two-yard line, Mahomes came in and, and pushed him in for the final yeah. uh, dagger in the back. But, yeah. Uh, he would have gone in there, I think, without without Mahomes' push regardless. He was just driven this game to, to put the team on his back. They're going to have a very different matchup next weekend against a Patriots team that looked incredible against the Chargers, unstoppable despite having a lot of weaknesses during the regular season. This team ended up winning and beating a Chargers team that a lot of people expected to win, 41-28. to And... This dismantling really came on the hands of that Patriots defense. I it's kind of ridiculous how they all put it together when it comes to the playoffs. How they could just mesh seamlessly and then apply every game plan aspect to to winning to this Chargers team that looked absolutely dominant last week. I mean, this was supposed to be like the the top-touted playoff game of this weekend, and the Patriots came out and made them look like they were the Browns. Yeah, they they, they just yeah they could not move the ball whatsoever in any situation. Brian Flores, and there's a reason why the Dolphins are going after him to hire him as their head coach, did a, a incredible job of making everything difficult for Phil Rivers. And, yeah, it was just a, a masterful piece on defense. And you see the Chargers had 28. That's not indicative of, of the, the game whatsoever. I mean, it was 35-7 to 7 at one point. And then just garbage time happened. The, the Patriots just – It was mostly fourth-quarter touchdowns yeah. that were desperate attempts for them to get back into that game. But the one thing with the Patriots when you face them is you always need to be prepared for them to come after and come after hard, whatever your biggest weakness is. And what they attacked was their offensive line. They have those weapons on the outside. You got Keenan Allen, you got Mike Williams, you have Hunter Henry when he's healthy, you have Melvin Gordon. But that offensive line looked porous yesterday. There were so many holes. There was a lack of continuity. There was so much pressure on Phillip Rivers. And Phillip Rivers is one of those guys that – if he's flustered and he's confused and he doesn't have time to react and think, he's not going to have a good performance. He doesn't like pressure. No. I mean, he's real good with the sidearm throws and making the tough throws. But you start pressuring him, he's going to make those even uh, even quicker. He's going to have to rush them. And you don't want to have to be able – you don't have to rush those types of throws in his style of uh, play as a quarterback. Now, that game, again, probably the biggest snoozer. I couldn't really Dud. watch the beginning of it. It just slowly got more and more out of hand. The end of it, obviously, the garbage time that ended up happening. But the NFC had a little bit of a closer games that were being played. The first one being the Rams and the Cowboys. Rams ended up winning 31-22. Not much surprise there, despite a lot of people picking the Cowboys to win for whatever reason. Irvin Centeno. Who's that? It's a just a callback don't worry okay <laughs> well a lot came into this game and a lot of different things impacted the outcome of it but I think the most obvious was the run game for the Rams I mean they have the best running back in the NFL and then they also made such a brilliant acquisition which no one thought was brilliant and everyone's going to try to jump on the bandwagon 
and, and say, oh, C.J. Anderson, what a great pickup. Whereas, like, no one knew he was going to be uh, He's always so been impactful. a consistent guy. He's always been someone that can spell your running back. And with Todd Gurley having some injury problems and not being at that 100%, he is a perfect guy for them. I mean, he was – I mean – it was just he's the inside the tackles threat that they need. And he's not necessarily a threat. He's just getting eight yards per carry. He's dependable. He'll find those lanes. He's not that quick. Not he's qu- a little chubby. Let's be real. He's gotten chubbier progressively, and I mean, he's always been chubby. I think that's why we're all rooting for him. Oh, yeah. He makes all the chubby people out there yeah. feel like we can do something. Yeah. I mean, look at it. You, you see this guy, you know, wearing a – a schmedium jersey, you know, running through the holes, <laughs> getting 140 yards in a game. You got the, like, oh. the, the baggy long sleeve oh, yeah. T-shirt in <laughs> L.A. weather. And I, can, <laughs> oh, I can identify with this with this guy. <laughs> but I think a lot of what came into this game plan and approach, which was really interesting, is that they kind of went away from what they typically do best, which is throwing the ball, having big plays. But instead, they had a more methodical approach to things. And I even said at the beginning of the game, I'm admitting I was wrong. At the beginning of the game, I said, if the Rams continue to try and run the ball the whole game, they're going to lose. And I was completely wrong. Thank you. They depended on it. They were going first, second, third down, just these short yardage gains. And then the one thing that really separated them and what helped them push themselves forward is how they were able to set up the play-action pass right off of it. Because if you look at it, most of their big passing gains – we're off of play action passes. I appreciate that honesty. And yes, I'll admit when they, I'm wrong. They um I mean they schemed it up perfectly. They know that the Cowboys defensive backs are stellar. They know that they have a really fast linebacking core and the best way to break down both of those uh combinations and assets that the Cowboys have, play action pass. They also have a lot of young linebackers. Yes. You've got Jalen Smith, you got Van Der Esch who yes. were phenomenal, but they caught them leaning essentially. They're breaking their ankles the whole time. Selling the run, selling the run. You had two great running backs having great games and then doing a lot of bootleg type stuff, having Higby wide open um, on the other side of the field. And then also Jared Goff was able to set up some runs off of it as well, which is just a testament to his growth in this league. Yeah, you're taking the words right out of my mouth. I think they're going to be – they are my Super Bowl favorites. Now, one storyline that I don't think a lot of people want to admit, but it's always being talked about by different people – and the people that are willing to talk about it, I think, are the ones that take a lot more into consideration, if that makes any sense, and are, are willing to not be blissfully ignorant about Dak Prescott. Oh, here we go. Do you think that he is just not a complete enough quarterback? He had a good playoff game. He Everyone did. wants to champion him and say – that he's uh, one of the top three best quarterbacks within the divisional rounds. And that's absurd. It's absurd for anybody to think that out of the eight quarterbacks in these rounds, he would be in the top five. Don't get me wrong. He made some pretty big throws, some pretty big plays. He was spectacular in the wildcard round. He was gutsy. He was a grown man, like like, uh, Zeke said. He, He took the team to the divisional round he was able to will them there but even on Saturday he still had some good throws but the problem was is for every good throw he had he had an errant pass he had a low ball to an open receiver he had a forced throw into tight coverage that just was not there 
it's just it's becoming more and more apparent that Dak Prescott does not really have what it takes to be a top 15 quarterback, to be a dependable playoff quarterback. They're going to win some football games. They're going to make it back to the playoffs in the next five to ten years with Zeke still around because Ezekiel Elliott has proven to take over that offense. But Dak Prescott continues to be a liability for them. A liability. I wouldn't consider him. I, I consider him a liability. I wouldn't consider him a liability. How so? I would actually. I I think Dak is pretty good. I don't think he's top ten. I think he's pretty good. I mean, it, I the way that he um has that certain control over the offense. It and it it's that's a double edged sword. You know, we, if you're controlling it and it's going well, it's going well. If if you have all the control, it's going poorly. It's on you. You're playing poorly. He has the control over that offense. The reason why I'm saying he's a liability, and it is a bit of an extreme to call someone out and say they're a liability, but he is not always a liability. But in those third down and five situations where you need him to make a big throw and you need him to be on point and accurate, those are the times he struggles the most. A lot of his big passing plays tend to come on first and second down. But if you watched in yesterday's game, it was brought out in a full light that if you force Dak into a third and five or longer, he's not going to get it. He's just not. He's not that type of a quarterback. He's a strong-willed guy. He's a great leader. He's willing to take the hits. He's willing to move out of the pocket and run the ball. He's also on point when receivers are wide open and able to find those guys. But if you ask him to make a tough throw on third down and long, he's not going to do it. I'm sorry. No, you don't have to apologize. I think you're correct. I just still think that he's a pretty good quarterback. He is. He's a good quarterback, and he's proven to be a good quarterback. And Colin Cowherd constantly says this about him, that he's basically Alex Smith. It's a good comparison. I agree with it. He just needs to work on some things if he wants to be able to take that next level. I agree. Because, I mean, Alex Smith's not a bad comparison, but it's not a good one. Because Alex Smith has always been straight, middle-of-the-line, average, good occasionally, but also very ugly at times. Now, another thing that does come with that game, and I don't know if you knew this, but the Cowboys didn't have a single starter over the age of 31. Do you think that the fact that they were just too young in this situation impacted them? You don't? No. I think that's a good sign. I mean, obviously, well, the veteran yeah. presences uh, that have been to the playoffs can help kind of ease the nerves and ease the tension, but, I mean, you got to get your feet wet eventually at some point. I Yes, obviously, they do need to get their feet wet, but I mean, the, the question here that I'm asking is, do you think it's it's too early? for them I mean, do you think this the, while they are going to be building something great in Dallas do you think it's a, it's too early for them to have really made a deep run into the playoffs and it, it, it impacted them when they had that 15 and 1 or uh, 14 and 2 season behind a rookie Dak Prescott the same thing impacted them they were just too young at the time I mean do you think that they were really going to go to the Super Bowl this year no definitely not do you think that Next year, when there's no veteran starter over the age of 32, that would make a difference. Probably not. Probably not. They, okay. they have they have some holes that they need to clean up. Okay. So you think I I'm almost lost. I trip like what too young? I think the they don't youth, have any veterans. That's what I'm trying to say is that they don't have any veterans. They don't have that experience. I think the more they, they haven't the, been in a lot of playoff games. Yeah. Well, the more they go to the playoffs, the better they'll be. 
This okay. is just the first step on the ladder. All right. Other game. God. The last one, which was probably the more exciting one, which we already said. Saints, Eagles. Eagles dominated them the whole first quarter. It was a 14 nothing game pretty much the whole first quarter. And the yardage differential was immaculate. 150 Eagles yards to zero at one point for the Saints. And then as soon as the Saints got the ball after having zero yards, they took a negative rush from Alvin Kamara, putting them in the negative. Imagine being that outplayed in the first quarter and then winning the game. What if I told you at that point in the first quarter that the Saints were going to win this game? You would have called me crazy. Is this your, is that your 30 for 30 intro? <laughs> <laughs> what if I told you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, their ability to climb back, I think, really is just a, a testament to how good this team's going to be and how they're willing to fight, and they're not going to be knocked down too easily. I mean, that's just what a good team does. A good team with a good coach, a great quarterback, a strong defense that can keep – when the offense isn't moving, the defense is able to step up, which is so vital in football. If they could just keep on picking up the slack just a little longer, you know Sean Payton and Drew Brees are going to get going eventually. It's so vital to have that kind of trust in your offense. Once they started to get going, Nick Foles was pretty much effectively taken out of the game. He's always been considered to be this underdog story Great player. Great player. Steps up in big situations. For whatever reason, has been a playoff master. But he he was completely taken out of the game, and that was why the offense started to stall. That was how the Saints started to climb back into it. But the big thing was Alshon Jeffrey dropping that ball, allowing it to slip right through his hands to get picked on the game-winning drive. Yeah, Foles was about to go down and win the game. They had the ball on the 25-yard line, throws it uh, six yards down, uh, should be on the 19-yard line with the two-minute warning approaching, and then Jeffrey drops it right into the hands of Marshawn Lattimore, and game over. That's it. Sorry, Birds. <laughs> sorry, I'm not saying sorry. I'm glad they're done. I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm sick of seeing the Philadelphia Eagles who have just – found themselves in the right situation at the right time. Yeah, that's football. That's it is football. <laughs> but this is and we that's were such we, a crutch we, phrase. We, we, it, <laughs> but it's true. That's how that's how football works. It's unlike any other sport. Like well, you can't say that about basketball. You can't say that as much about baseball. Anything you can, can say happen. It about hockey. It, I wouldn't even say Hockey's it about hockey. A lot of the, luck, but man. The, the the better team will prevail more often in hockey. That's true. But in these situations, it's a little bit less than most sports, but in these situations, any team can win on any given day. And the Eagles almost had that upset, but they were showing out teams that were significantly better than them. And now, thankfully, finally, their freaking run is finally done. You think it's done? Not a chance. But so this opens up the discussion, and we were already getting into it, of Carson Wentz versus Nick Foles. The Eagles have a bit of a predicament, and you pulled up the stats. I'm sure you wanted to talk about them, but their records, comparatively, Foles is 19 and 11, Wentz is 18 and 11, including playoffs. Completion percentages are both at 62. Touchdown to interception ratio, you have 52 for Foles, 49 and 21. Sorry, 52 18 for Foles, 49 and 21 for Wentz, and then the QBR differential is pretty much the same, 61 and 60 for Foles and Wentz in that order. 
But the discussion that, and everyone's starting to talk about this, everyone's saying it, and it's all the more in the forefront after this game's done. Who should be their quarterback? Who do they trade? Who do they use as fodder to gain some more pieces, some more picks, some more players? Who do they get rid of? I'm going to let you. I'm, I'll, I'll, I've been answering the question first all show. Okay. I'll, I'll give the floor to you as to who they should keep. It's obviously Carson Wentz. Hmm. Nick Foles, hmm. let's be real here. Okay. Nick Foles has taken advantage of some great opportunities. He's coming in, he's played in some big spots, some big moments, and he's been a, a proven competitor carrying this team in some pretty big upsets. We saw it in the Rams in the first game he came back in, ends up leading them to the playoffs, will beat the Chicago Bears on pure luck, and then finally falls to the Saints. But if you look at them as as two quarterback prospects and quality of talent, I'm picking Carson Wentz nine times out of ten. The dude's 6'6". He's got a cannon for an arm. He's got the mobility of capabilities of Cam Newton. He just mm. can command an offense. And mm. I think that a lot of this might come to the reason why Foles has some better performances compared to Carson Wentz is that when Carson Wentz is in, and he's able to do everything. He's able to pull the Eagles out of some bad situations. So this Eagles team is almost thinking to themselves, we can let Carson take over. We can let Carson do the, handle the bad situations when we're in them. But when, as soon as they know Nick Foles is starting, they know that they need to step up. Because let's be real, that, that Eagles defensive line was not playing up to the quality of level that they're capable of when Carson Wentz was in. As soon as he, he's done and he's decided not to play the rest of the season and Nick Foles comes in, they go back to that lights-out mentality and playing at an incredible clip. I just think that Nick Foles has been far too much circumstance, and if you move him to a different team, he's, he might not have the same output. Exactly. Exactly what? If you move him to another team, he won't have the same output. But there's something in the water in Philly that Foles likes. He is successful with only this franchise. He understands the game better in Philly. He works better with his team in Philly. Uh, the coaches in him obviously uh, mesh well together in Philly. He is Philadelphia's best quarterback for that specific team. Not it, not who is a better quarterback. It is who is the better quarterback for us. Who plays better as an Eagle? Nick Foles does. But do you really think that Nick Foles is the guy to build around? He's not young. He's not versatile. He's very limited in what he can do. You think that that is a guy that you want to build your franchise around instead of having a young guy that's only three years into the league, four it's years into the league? not always a build, Joe. And it doesn't – but, but once this team crumbles he's because it has a lot – on the top has, of the Sunday, man. It has a lot of older veterans, but once he's those older veterans cream. are done – you still have Carson Wentz, and you can rebuild this thing back up again. Or you still have the picks that you traded or that you acquired for cons- uh, Carson Wentz. And, oh, yeah, there's the rest of your ice cream. Oh, and here comes Mr. Nick Foles' cherry right on the top of the Sunday. He's not the ice cream. He's not the whipped cream. He's not the sprinkles. He's then the cherry is? on Who is top. on that team? What do you mean, who is? The defensive line? The offensive line. That defensive line only has, like, a couple years of run left. As a full unit? It's a constant rebuild, dude. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
I'm going to say nice. Are you going to say nice back also? No, I'm nice. going to say nice. All right. <laughs> uh, the receivers in Philly are good. They make up the ice cream. The running backs. They're whip, not all going to be there cream. either. I got you. But you, like your old adage, you know, running backs, you can always find another one. <laughs> I'm Joe DeLeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, <laughs> the linebackers are ice cream material. DBs are sprinkles. Could use some more help back there. Their defensive backs suck. That's why they're the sprinkles. Okay. And sprinkles don't suck. Sprinkles are, are is, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. But key minimalistic ice cream. Minimalistic on the Sunday. And oh, Mr. Here, buzzword, oh, oh. buzzword over here. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, you got this whole ice cream Sunday ready built up. You yeah, I, I'm you, honestly you triggered whole, that you don't think that the sprinkles all of it. are, are just, not a key part of ice so cream. So small. And here comes the cherry, Mr. Nick Foles, Mr. Oh, I'm gonna make it look all nice and make sure everything flows and make sure it is a good product. I I think that that Nick Foles is more the cone because like you, there's, oh, no fla- the, oh, yeah. there's no there's no flavor. You think he's holding it together? No, I don't think he's holding it together because you don't need a cone to hold it together. A cup can also hold it together. You could you could hold ice cream in your hand <laughs> <laughs> and just lick it out of your hand. Can we stay but on track? He's, he's the bl- he's like the bland nothing part. Of the ice cream that you're just like, oh, I'm done with the ice cream. I guess I'm going to eat the cone now. Like, it, it, this is okay. There's still some ice cream pooled up in it, but you're just like, nah. You don't think that's a better – because, like, I feel like a cherry is too sweet. It's too bright. It's too poppy. I don't think Nick Foles is poppy. Nick Foles is the most boring, bland – like, brand flake cereal type guy. Okay, so if Wentz is the cone – then the cone you're going to retain the cracked cone I don't consider Wentz to be the cone uh, Wentz I'm is more saying, of a cherry on top both, than, if than they're they're both cones, Foles. if they're both cones Foles cone intact Wentz cone cracked chipped it's too mangled. soon it is too soon to determine if Carson Wentz is going to be injury riddled in his career he needs to make some two changes years, two injuries he needs to make some decisions in as far as his playing style, was that which a lot three? of guys that are... 66% chance out of every year right now that he's going to get injured. But, again, it's because of the way he plays. He has this aggressive throwing himself out there, putting his body on the line style of play. So why would you invest in play? that? Why but would you invest guys, in that over Foles, guys that often who you know you play can like win that, with? But guys that often play like that just need to realize that they need to play differently. And I said this before the show, Andrew Luck... Played a lot more recklessly early on in his career. He has some neck problems, and he's a lot more careful now behind a better offensive line. I think that Carson Wentz is going to be fine. I think it's it's way too soon to start calling him injury prone. Ryan Tannehill, RG3, Sam Bradford. Any of these names ring a bell, Joseph? But you're failing to take into account that all three of them were marginal quarterback talents. You didn't buy in on Deshaun Watson after he got hurt last year because he's not a good quarterback talent. Oh my lord! Carson right. Wentz is a. What we got a like nine far, minutes left? You want to get right into Deshaun Watson far, not being a good quarterback talent? Are you out Carson of your mind? Carson Wentz is a far. Be- Have you seen him throw a football? He is wildly inaccurate. And I said this the day that he stepped foot in the NFL. He cannot complete simple throws. They are the reason that they lost. He is the reason that they lost to the Colts. He is the exact specific reason because he cannot complete a pass. But we're not sitting here talking about Deshaun Watson. We're sitting here talking about Carson Wentz. Go ahead, talk about him. Carson Wentz. Praise him. What? What? Go ahead. Why? 
Because why retain? He's him? proven to make big plays and big throws. The only he only, went out in week thirteen. The only issue that he has is injuries. That is the only issue. He is too young and he's way too soon to just assume he's going to be injury injury riddled. Now in two years, if he has two more major injuries, I will admit I was wrong. But right now, I will not. Carson Wentz needs to be the guy in Philadelphia. I don't know. He's shooting 66% over his career on injured seasons. Nick Foles has been there consistently, knows how to run that offense, wins games. He wins games. He's a winner. That's the whole – this goes back to the Baker Mayfield argument. I'm not trying to kitchen sink, but we argued about wins. Who's a winner? Baker's a winner. Foles is a winner. I think Wentz could be a winner. I think he is not a better one than Foles. But one thing that you need to take into account, and I agree, Nick Foles has been a proven winner. But as soon as the things that he is leaning on right now, like that defensive line, why like not that offensive line, wait, like that offensive line, like because a re-up is not that simple. In so the you're going to invest a hundred mil in Carson a, a Wentz and not build around. This goes against all not, your ideologies. No, it doesn't. That's not what I'm saying, though. I'm not saying you need to pay him a hundred million dollars. I am trying to tell you that once all of these things that are is essentially carrying Nick Foles and making him look better than he is, like the receivers, the offensive line, and the defensive line. Obviously, it's making him look better than he is. But, but once he still gets it, once those it guys works. are gone and they can't bring all of them back, or they're old and they decide to retire, he is a useless shell of a player. If you remember when he went to so the Rams, not going to go. If you up remember any- when he was traded to the Rams. He yeah. had nothing around him, and he did terrible. Okay, so terrible. Would they not re up and reinvest in different players? Is that so? They they lose re upping is not that simple. I understand. We that. see teams all the time that are good. They attempt to re up, and they don't. It's it's not that simple of a process. You can't always bank on a re up because a guy that they could bring in a bunch of guys that are great players that are ready to play. And they could be injury riddled. They could oh, fall they could off. Be the, injury riddled. They could oh. completely fall off. Oh, so okay, now, no, no, now ignore, it's acceptable to say the no, injury riddled saying, uh, does not. I am trying to say that is not correlate stop, with good performance. Stop away from that point. The point I'm trying to say here is that no, you no, no. Could, you just proved you my lo- point. No, I appreciate. I didn't. It. Just yes, because I said one oh, word. They're injury no, riddled, no, 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 so they're no, no, not no. going to be good. Thank you. That's just you just proved my point. Can you let me speak? I appreciate it. I'll let you. I'm just letting you know. You already. The only reason why I said the only reason why I said injury riddled is I'm saying you could bring in and quote-unquote, re-up with a bunch of guys that aren't even going to do anything for you. I'm saying that you need to take advantage they not of a young you? key piece. Because if they trade him, they will completely regret it. If they trade Nick oh, Foles, God. they won't regret a single thing. A single thing. This team's not going back to the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. They're just not. Mm-hmm. They're not. Won one with him. They won one with him, but after that, they are not going back to the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Why not? He wins games. Because this team is on the decline. They go from being one of the best teams in the NFC to being the sixth seed in the NFC. Wentz started more than half the season and they're on the decline. Foles comes in, they start winning again. They get into the playoffs. He forced them into the playoffs, Joe. They weren't going to make it when Wentz was playing. And then Foles steps in. Oh, look at this. Situation, situation, situation. We happen to be on the playoffs because Foles helped us or Foles helped us win games. Markel Fultz will never win games in Philly. <laughs> all, all the point I'm trying to say, though, is that this team is gradually declining. Okay. And 
you might want to re-up, but re-upping around Nick Foles is much different than re-upping around Carson Wentz. Re-upping is the name of the sp- – it's the the point of the sport, Joe. Carson Wentz has so much more versatility in this offense. He can do so many more things instead of just running an RPO every single time with Nick Foles. Versatility. I, I've said versatility is the biggest component to an elite player in the NFL. I've come on the record and stated that. And Nick Foles is not versatile. No, but he knows how to win in Philly. He knows how to run that system. He knows how to how to win with the Eagles. All right, and my- I don't like the Eagles. Do you like the Eagles? I don't. I could I couldn't care. I personally, I don't want to see them in the playoffs again. But I think Foles is a better quarterback. No, 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 no. I think Foles is a better quarterback for Philly. All right. Well, well while we're talking circles around each other, we do have. One wonderful DM from no, you're not talking circles around me. Mm-hmm. Okay. You presented no argument. I presented um, okay. Now you want. We have one wonderful DM from Mr. Tyler Cruz, and his question is: Does a straw have one or two holes? One. See, that's such a tough question. I de- no, it's not. I imagine if a straw was. Like, I, I'm thinking it's one, it but like, like yeah, obviously, yeah. But it, it comes out a, on two different ends, yeah, though. Yeah, That's but the imagine thing. Imagine it as a tree stump. Imagine a straw as thick as a tree stump, and then just one straw hole in the middle. Is that one hole when you see it? But see, or my my the, logic is because a straw is elongated, and it comes out on two different ends. You could technically call it two holes. So, like, if you're trying to, I'm I'm agreeing with you that it's one. But I'm playing devil's advocate here, that in the straw, you refer you you have to refer to either end of the hole as something. So it's be top hole and bottom hole. You're you not can't gonna just say me. the hole. You're not going to sell me on your alchemy, all right? I'm not going to. It's not alchemy. Not. I, think it's, I think it's a fair argument that there could potentially be two holes in a straw. You don't think so? No, it's a one hole. It's a one holer? Yeah. It's a one holer. All right, well, that's going to be it for Get to the Point. Thank you, Tyler, for the wonderful straw question. We, we struggle to get sports-related questions, but it's better than nothing. Our fans don't like us. No. I don't. I question if we even have fans at this point. I don't know if we do. <laughs> well, they don't DM us. We want some <laughs> questions. If you listen in and you are too afraid, we're very friendly people. Kind of. If you don't want us just to say your name, we don't have to say. Just your name. don't send us anything stupid because we will roast you. God. But follow us on Twitter at yeah. GTTP Podcast. Follow Anchor Sports Network at Anchor Sports Net. Check out Anchor Sports Network online at it's www.anchorsportsnetworks. Yes, we're aware. Anchorsportsnetworks.com. And as always, huge thank you from Joe DeLeon and Sean Anderson.